Welcome to the ICU podcast. I'm your host, Callie, a registered dietitian living with interstitial cystitis. Each week, I'll be diving into hot topics in the IC world, giving others a platform to share their story, and I may even reveal some of my favorite nutrition tips. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now, let's get into the episode. All right, welcome back, everyone. Today, I am here with Ingrid Harm Hernandez. She is a pelvic floor physical therapist, and she recently wrote a book that we're really excited to chat about. So welcome, Ingrid. Thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm always excited to talk about the pelvic floor and the musculoskeletal mystery and how it can help people. Yes, we are going to get into the pelvic floor today and all things, you know, musculoskeletal system. Um, Do you want to give the listeners a quick intro on who you are and, you know, where you where you are located and what led you to get into pelvic floor PT? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've been a physical therapist for, oh, over 38 years and a pelvic PT for 26. When I started, there was no such thing as pelvic PT. Um, And I really had to look around once I started to get interested in like, what does this even mean? And, And I think I approached it on a much different path than most people today would, because it didn't really exist. And So I have to say what I had to do was I had some pregnant patients that kind of confided to me and say, you know, I'm I'm, I'm leaking and what is this and is it okay and so forth. So I am going to date myself a little. I had to go to the library to figure (laughs) out what was going on. (laughs) And lo and behold, there was something called pelvic physical therapy. And it was more in Australia, a bit in Europe and not that much in the United States. So I really had to kind of dig in and figure things out. And just with a few techniques, I was able to help those patients. And I thought, wow, what an untapped kind of resource and untapped knowledge base. Um, And that led me over the years to take more and more courses. And then I moved from New York down to North Carolina and worked for Duke. And they had a health team there and we grew exponentially and we had a residency program for pelvic PT. I got to work with the most wonderful urogynecologist, worked on research projects, did all sorts of things. And that kept, you know, ballooning and growing and doing more and understanding more. And then I'd have to say, Towards the very end, I I had so many patients reach out to me and Heather Florio is the CEO of Desert Harvest. She kept saying, why don't you write a book? Why don't you write a book? And I kept saying, I just don't have the time. I don't even know how to put it together. And finally, she really gave me the kick in the pants and said, look, just write an outline, okay? So I did, I wrote an outline. So all you out there wanna write a book, write some kind of outline down. It really does start the process. And then um, I just, within six months, wrote the book, The Musculoskeletal Mystery, How to Solve Your Pelvic Floor Symptoms, and find that I have moved to a different level instead of just treating one-on-one now is I get to talk to, we were talking a little before, audiences of all different kinds of people, whether it's medical or lay people, it doesn't matter. And you see the light bulbs go off and you see people say, oh my gosh, now I understand why I have problems and what I can do about it. And it's just been awesome, you know, to see that that growth. Um, So I'm still in North Carolina now. 
but I retired clinically and I can spend so much time on, you know, getting the word out about pelvic floor and about the musculoskeletal system. So kind of transitioned a little bit, miss my patients, but um, love doing this kind of education like we're doing today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's great because people, at least in the interstitial cystitis community, first of all, most of us had never even heard of interstitial cystitis before we got diagnosed. And then nobody, I mean, I know I didn't know about the pelvic floor either before I was diagnosed. And all of a sudden my doctor was like, I'm going to refer you to pelvic floor physical therapy. And I was like, that sounds really weird. How is that going to help me? And I actually blew off the um, physical therapy clinic that called me. I didn't even like schedule an appointment with them. So that just goes to show that I didn't understand the role of that in my symptoms. And I wish that I had taken that call, you know, 10 years ago, but, you know, I've been to many physical therapists along the way. And I just think that this conversation and what you're educating about is so important for not only the IC community, but anybody with a pelvic floor, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, people will say, oh, well, it's only certain type of, I'm like, everybody's got a pelvic floor. Everybody's got a pelvis. We all can benefit from understanding that better and kind of getting out of, I'll say, like out of the shyness or the reservation to talk about down there. Like, I would love that conversation, you know, to change so that people feel confident. Like you said, I didn't know. I didn't know it was going to happen. So I was really afraid, you know, to go, or I didn't feel like it would help, or I don't know what it's about. Right. So that's the conversation I really want to change with the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If only we could get that type of conversation started, like in high school, even. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure that would save so many people from developing symptoms or just being out of the loop on, on your pelvic floor. Yeah, yeah. I actually did a couple lectures at a high school last year or earlier this year. Time flies. Um, and, you know, it's amazing how there you could even see the kids who at first are a little uncomfortable with the conversation are like, oh, oh, you know, and I'm like, you can help your mom. You can help your sister. You can help your dad. You, you know what I'm saying? Like the, the knowledge you gain is not only just for yourself, but for your loved ones as well. Yes, exactly. And I I remember I read a book about a year ago and it was something, um, I think a pelvic floor physical therapist wrote it and it was called maybe between the hips. Are you familiar with a book with that name? Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know, but it was a, it was a good book, but I I'm saying this because on the back, it says anybody with a pelvic floor should read this book. And I was like, you know what? That is such a good point. And I'm going to give this to my mom. She didn't read it, but you know, the effort was there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes it's, it's, uh, it's an approach or people don't think they need it. You know, that's one of the biggest issues I have is that people don't think they need it until I start talking about it. And so when I've been at book signings, you know, at first you can see the hesitation. And then as I describe things, they're like, oh, okay, now that makes sense. Or I have someone that can benefit from this book. So I've had people buy it as a gift for someone because it opens the conversation up, right? And just like you said with IC, not knowing the diagnosis and living with it, I would have to say one of the biggest reasons I wrote the book was because I had patients that 
often were not referred to me and suffered with symptoms 5, 10, 20, 30 years. So when I started, it was really unknown. And doctors thought I had lobsters crawling out of my ears when I said, <laughs> I can, I can help you. I can help your patients. They, it was just frustrating for me and my patients that they didn't get to see me until their symptoms were well entrenched. So for IC in particular, you know, those symptoms may start with bladder specific, but the muscles around it become protective. And then if they become protective, they develop their own kind of issue. And then sometimes even if the bladder's gone, the pelvic floor is, you know, irritated. So I just, I wrote the book to really hoping that over time, people would know what their musculoskeletal system is, why it's, I'd say, attached to or connected to a diagnosis of whatever it happens to be. And then what do they do about it? So the, the whole first part of the book is pelvic floor and pelvic musculature, right? So I don't want people to mistake that it's just pelvic floor. And we can describe what that is because some people, we're talking about pelvic floor and they're like, what, well, what is that? Right. But I go through real specifics, the nitty gritty of the pelvic floor to the pelvis, to the diagnosis, to what a pelvic exam would look like, right? You don't want somebody to be frightened to go to pelvic PT because they don't know. So I described that. And then what would happen in treatment? And then they're great self-care, you know, tools through the book and what I call kind of pearls of wisdom that help people relate their diagnosis and what they're going through, especially I see and, and help them pull that all together to get the right kind of care. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like this book is for both patients and practitioners, right? Yes, a hundred percent. So I wrote it such that you would, if, if you have no knowledge of the pelvic floor, you would be good to go. If you're a practitioner, you might have like this little bit of the pelvic floor. Your specialty is cardiopulmonary. Your specialty is even OBGYNs. You know, they look at more organs and hormones and that kind of stuff and not so much the musculoskeletal system. So when they open the book up, it's, oh, okay, now I see how that's connected. And now I see why my patient might be complaining about X, Y, and Z. And they start to put that knowledge together and they can help their patient. If they read the section on physical therapy, now they can say, well, when you go to pelvic PT, you might get some internal work. You might get biofeedback. You might be taught to use dilators, you know, all these different things that we use as pelvic PTs. Now the patient says, oh, that makes sense. I'm going to go. You know, you. it sounds like you didn't even have it explained to you what it was. So it's like, how's that going to help me? It's my bladder. What does that have to do with my musculoskeletal system, right? Yes, so true. Yeah, I think that a lot of people, like you said, are a bit frightened. And I think that comes from just not being educated about it. And I have a lot of people asking me, you know, I'm going to PT for the first time next week. Like, what should I expect? I'm really nervous. Are they going to do an internal exam or internal work? And I I feel like that's what people get nervous about. The fact that someone else is potentially going to have their hands inside their body, touching an area that is really sensitive. 
Right. And that, so the, what the book will do is it explains, yes, we may do internal work. In fact, sometimes we don't do internal work. If either it's not appropriate, the patient's not ready for it. We, with the patient, make the decision, should we be doing that internal work or not? And what does the internal work look like? So this lovely model, I was sitting back here, I actually take that model and sit down with the patient and go through what I call an anatomy and physiology lesson. And I describe that in the book too, because is it, if, if I can sit down and say, this is how it's connected, this is what we're going to assess, this is what it will feel like, are you okay with it? You can kind of see the shoulders of my patient just relax down because it's like, okay, whew, I imagined X, Y, and Z, right? So it just clears that for them and makes them feel so much better. So I feel like the book does a good job of, of explaining that and showing that. And I have, you know, throughout the book, well, Mark, there are... <laughs> You know, things like graphs and charts, you can see what the whole anatomical system looks like and talk about, you know, male and female, all genders, everything is, you know, included in the book so that people really feel confident that if they go into a practitioner or they take this book, which is, it's nice and lightweight, fit right in a purse and you pull it and you say to your doctor, look, I've been reading this. And I really think that this is something I can benefit from. What do you think? It opens the conversation where the doctor may have not had that as their first, I'm gonna send you to PT. All of a sudden it becomes more realistic for the patient and they get that care much sooner, right? So I think if we have that understanding and we have that that's clarified, then the, the fear goes away. And that in itself makes treatment so much more successful if we're not afraid of things. And again, with I see, you know, stressors, as, as you've talked about, stressors and anxiety and emotional changes that we all go through, especially during COVID, you know, so many people had an increase. I had patients come in with such increased symptoms because of the fear, the anxiety, the emotional changes, right? That impacts I see severely it impacts the musculature, it impacts the bladder. So if people can understand that and get control, they can do so much better. Yeah. Can you talk more about the impact of stress on the pelvic floor? Yes. Yeah. So our pelvic floor is made of musculature. In fact, this might be a good time to just stop a little bit and say what pelvic floor is. And then it's understandable why it gets affected by stress. So the pelvic floor, I like people to think of it as like a hammock or a sling. And it is at the base of your pelvis. It's made of muscles and fascia and tissues. So it holds all our organs up. It has sphincters, which are circular muscles that control our pee and our poop. So if they're tight, we may have trouble urinating. If they're loose, we may have leakage. And there can be a crossover between tight, which is an overactive, and loose, which might be an underactive. There are lots of terms out there that people can hear, but that's kind of the basic terminology. So if that happens, we may not have control of our sphincters. And then it also is a sexual function. So if we, for example, have a tight pelvic floor, we might have pain with intercourse. So people with IC might not realize that they're having pain with intercourse and it absolutely is connected to the IC, right? They may have urgency and that can be connected to pelvic floor tension. And then lastly, it connects with our whole core. So people think their core is their washboard, their rectus abdominis. It's not, that's actually the least important part. There, we have many abdominals. We have our pelvic floor, which is our foundation, our diaphragm, which is our roof and our back musculature, which is the back. And that's kind of our house, right? And our pelvic floor 
is the foundation of that house. Now, to answer your question about the stresses, now you can see that the musculature is so involved. If we have stress in our life, you can imagine people might say, well, my shoulders are up and I'm tight or my back hurts, right? Well, our pelvic floor responds the same way, but we don't see it. So we don't know that the pelvic floor is tight and the pelvic floor can cyclically get tighter and tighter and increase our symptoms. And we do not know that's happening. So we have no resource, nothing to say, what can I do to get my pelvic floor relaxed? What can I do to calm the symptoms? Um, something as simple as diaphragmatic breathing because our diaphragm and our pelvic floor are intimately connected. Every breath we take affects our pelvic floor. So diaphragmatic breathing can get our pelvic floor to relax and get us in a parasympathetic, a calm system instead of sympathetic, which is your fight and flight and you're ready to go, right? I think one way I describe it to my patients is imagine someone was going to punch you in the stomach. What would you do with your abdominals? You know, you would tighten, you would tense, right? So stress is kind of like an invisible punch to the abdominals over and over again. So our abdominals tense, tense, our pelvic floor tenses. We don't know what's happening. We don't know how to release it. And before we know it, it's kind of out of control. And unfortunately, I see is very, very susceptible to that. It, it's, you know, it is, it's a factor, but if we understand it, then we can treat it better. Desert Harvest has spent almost three decades meeting the relief needs of people suffering from urological, women's health, and sexual health issues, radiation oncology therapy, and more with the highest quality, scientifically studied natural origin supplements and skincare. All Desert Harvest aloe vera products are formulated specifically to maximize the benefits of the aloe leaf to capture the plant's fullest potential, are 100% anthraquinone-free, paraben-free, have no fillers, artificial ingredients, or artificial preservatives. Learn more at www.desertharvest.com or give them a call at 1-800-222-3901. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, this is something that I personally struggle with. It's, I've had IC and pelvic floor dysfunction for, I'm pretty sure my whole life. And there's times where, you know, now that I'm 27, I'm more aware of when I'm tensing my pelvic floor and it's something that I'm actively working on, but it is really freaking difficult to kind of break through that. How do you recommend people who are also struggling with that to work through that? Yeah. Um, so combination of things individually on, on your own, cause you're, you're with your body, no matter what mm -hmm. is doing something like diaphragmatic breathing, which is a controlled breath through your nose and blowing out that if you recognize some stressors coming on, or you know, you're going to be in a stressful situation, then you do that diaphragmatic breathing beforehand you try to do it during if you can and afterwards to try to kind of get the system into that parasympathetic, right? That's a very simplified version of what you can do. There are things that a pelvic PT, what they'll do is go through specific for your lifestyle. So if you 
have certain sports activities or you have certain things that you do every day, you know, getting on a, a Zoom meeting, you know, getting on a, on a webinar may be a stressful situation then you know beforehand between, you know, the good fluid intake and the breathing and everything else and avoiding the, the things that you talk to people about, the nutritional aspect or all things to prep yourself. So before you get into your stressful situation, you've already prepped your body and understood and recognized it. And believe it or not, recognizing it is, is more than halfway there to calming it. Because if you don't recognize it, that's when your system, it's, it's like you know freight train just going faster and faster and faster. You want to pull the reins back before it even happens to get those stressors down. Some people do well with yoga, meditation, stretching exercises. The book has a bunch of awesome stretching exercises for the pelvic area that you literally can sit and stretch adductors and hip flexors and piriformis because these are all the muscles in the pelvic area overall, our hip muscles or back muscles that can have input to our pelvic floor. So anatomically, we have a hip muscle called the obturator internus that's directly connected to our pelvic floor. And I've treated patients who say they have hip problems. We treat their pelvic floor and their hip problem goes away, right? So to realize that we can stretch the hips and move the hips and influence the pelvic floor can go a long way to calming the pelvic floor. And then learning, you know, recognizing when the bladder, when urgency comes along, what are some tricks and tips you can do that? So a pelvic PT goes through that according to you as an individual. So what they'll do is they'll assess you and what you're, you know, you're, you're maybe having struggles with or pain with or issues with, and then go through those specifics. But I would say the breathing and the stretching and the, you know, the, like the, the counseling you give with the diet are some of the biggest things you can do to prevent that escalation, right? Prevent it before it really starts to get, you know, going where it's hard to control, right? Mm -hmm, right. And, you know, some stressors you can predict and others you can't. And I think that's where being prepared for those moments is really important. So, you know, knowing, okay, this is a stressful event coming up. Let's prepare for it. Let's prevent a flare. Let's do our diaphragmatic breathing. And then the other half is knowing how to calm things down if, you know, your pelvic floor does tense and your symptoms do increase. Having those tools in your toolbox, you know, whatever works for you specifically. So what works for me does not always work for someone else. So what works right. for you specifically and knowing that and having that knowledge, I think is so important in order to manage that flare and decrease the duration, decrease the intensity. I think that is the most important thing, right? Yes, yeah. And if we add pelvic floor specific to it, so I spend four pages in the book describing a pelvic floor contraction. And I call it that not a Kegel because people have such a wrong concept of what a Kegel is. And for some folks, so there's, there's, you know, as pendulums swing all the time for things, there's, oh, everybody should do a thousand Kegels. Oh, nobody should do Kegels. No, that's not correct. It really depends on the situation. And some people need to learn to completely relax their pelvic floor before they ever can do a pelvic floor contraction. So in the book, I describe the importance of getting that pelvic floor to relax to get that thought process of letting it go because for I see a tense pelvic floor can often set the bladder off or it can set muscles off that are right around the urethra. That's the tube that you pee through. Those muscles 
um, they're called the puborectalis, they can tighten up and unfortunately they can set the urethra off, which makes the urgency symptoms even worse or can create pain. So it's important to recognize that you may hear things about Kegels out there, but for IC, really getting someone to assess it and understand exactly what you need as an individual to do for your pelvic floor is essential. It's essential to get that under control, but realize that relaxation for someone with IC is probably going to be more beneficial than just trying to, you know, contract away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Can you talk about, you know, the difference between pelvic floor dysfunction symptoms and interstitial cystitis symptoms and how they, you know, how they're similar, how they're different and, and all of that. Cause I know it, it can get really confusing and it can overlap, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So the difficulty there is they're usually entrenched and enmeshed with each other. So it's really hard to differentiate the symptoms specific. Now for someone if you are diagnosed early enough with IC and you get things under control with a myriad of, of whether there are medications and activities and things you can do in diet control, you might prevent the musculoskeletal system from getting into an upheaval. If there's even a, a not that long a time period where that goes undiagnosed, the pelvic floor is usually involved. So it, you can go from no pelvic floor involvement to pelvic floor involvement in a relatively short period of time. Someone who has IC and it's purely just bladder, urgency, pain, that kind of thing, and you respond really well to, let's say, you know, Desert Harvest has aloe vera capsules um, and there are other things out there that get urgency. If you respond really well and symptoms go down and you get it under control, there's probably not as much involvement with the pelvic floor. But if you find these flares come and go, especially with stress, the pelvic floor is probably involved. If you have other symptoms like pain with sex, right? Any sexual relationship, you know, when you have IC that is painful, probably has a pelvic floor involvement. Um, in fact, it's probably like a 99.9% .9 chance that you've got some pelvic floor involvement. If you have constipation with it, bowel urgency, you probably have a pelvic floor issue if you IBS. So that kind of brings me to a little bit. I'm glad you asked that because there are a lot of comorbidities that happen with IC. So comorbidities simply mean there are other diagnoses that typically will occur with something like IC and IBS or asthma, believe it or not, are commonly commonly occur with IC. And why is that? It, they believe it's it's partially a neurological thing that's going on, a brain to organ connection and a pelvic floor to all these organs connecting. So in the embryological state, there's a big connection. These are all from like the same cell group. There's a lot of crosstalk as it's called neurologically between the organs. So if one's upset, it may upset another and the muscles just come in and play along with it, unfortunately. So we have to learn to get that under control. So I guess the shorter answer is the majority do have a musculoskeletal condition, but if you have these comorbidities and these other things going on, you're much more likely to have the pelvic floor involvement than if you can simply, you know, treat or diagnose, treat it with some common things you see out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the comorbidities. I mean, I see so much crossover with irritable bowel syndrome. Um, I see there's a lot of like endometriosis happening. 
And it's all just very interesting how how much it is related. I mean, specifically IBS, stress is the biggest contributor to flares of that. And for a lot of people, you know, if you're struggling with IBS and and you're noticing that when your flares with that occur and it triggers a flare in your IC, like that should sound the alarm that maybe stress is is the the culprit there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, stress is, uh, you know, can't can't emphasize it enough. And 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 like I said, how it involves and it impacts the pelvic floor and the musculoskeletal system because it does respond like any other muscle in the body. It's not it's not any like magical and different. It's it actually is that that's the beauty of it is understanding that it responds like so many other parts of your body, but you can't see it, which is why there's a delay in diagnosis. You know that that's a key right right there. Yeah, I think a lot of us are going through life at, you know, mild to moderate levels of stress, and we just don't even notice that it's there. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's, and, you know, again, if if you can recognize it, understand it, I think you can do that preventative strategy, like we were talking about is really, if you understand it, and you know it, you can stop it from occurring or minimize it, which if you know you can do that, you know you have control, guess what? Your stress stress levels go down. When you don't think you have control over anything, your stress levels go up. You know, so in when I had people come into my clinic, I could get their fears and their anxieties down. Treatment progressed much more rapidly and they felt wow, I have control. So in other words, they were empowered to take care of themselves. And that's what pelvic PTs do. It's not that we want you to come for treatment because that's not realistic over this forever time period. You may, with IC, have to come back periodically, right? So I, in the book, I liken it to, so my son is a pilot. And when he was learning, he had to do a glider um, piloting, which basically for folks who, who don't know that a motorized plane pulls up a glider who, that does not have an engine, right? And they go up in the air and the tow line gets released when the glider is ready and they fly up there. It could be five minutes. It could be a half an hour just on the air, right? And then they come back down and they land. And, you know, when I was watching him do this, some of them got so good that they actually did acrobatics. They could do circles and all sorts of stuff. And this guy got great control and landed safely on the earth again. And I kind of think as a pelvic PT is the tow plane and we get you up there. And after a while, you get good enough to do everything yourself and you land back down safely. And if every once in a while you need to be towed up again, that's awesome. That's fine. Right. So that's like those are some of the things I talk about in the book is how do you think about these things a little differently? How do you get control over things, you know, without anxiety taking control? How do you know that you are in control, not your bladder, right? And that's one of the big things I say to my patients. You got to realize you've got to say to your bladder, look, I'm in control. And in the beginning, that's difficult. I'm not going to say that's an easy thing to do, but eventually it helps with the whole process. Yeah, no, I love that example. And I love that word empowerment. And that's something that I also work with my clients on is working through the fear that comes along with eating. I mean, there's so many people suffering from stress and anxiety surrounding eating and that can trigger a stress flare. I mean, it might not even be the food that is flaring you. A lot of the time we're overlooking that and it's really just stress at the 
the core of the issue. And I feel like once my clients know that that fact and that could be potentially causing their symptoms, I see that light bulb go off and they just have this confidence, you know, from that point on. And then that's when things really change for people. It's amazing to see. And I, I feel like our our fields are are very similar in that aspect. I mean, especially in terms of IC, it's it's just that that knowledge, that mindset switch, and getting that control back, like you said. Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually one of the greatest things to see someone suddenly realize I know how to deal with this. I've got the tools. I'm good to go. So when I was ready to discharge someone, it was so exciting to see them, you know, from living in in their house and not wanting to leave because they were afraid to be far away from their bathroom, to having pain with sex and having their like their relationship ready to break up, and you know, see people say, "I've got this. I've got control over it. I know how to work with it." It was you know, it was just this wonderful thing to see them blossom and you know really be on their own and it, like you said there is this overlap where you're teaching people how to take care of themselves and and i hope that's what i can do to for so many people both nationally and internationally it change the thought process right change instead of my body's controlling me i'm controlling my body is is a huge mindset change and you know, like I said, the pearls of wisdom in the book are things that just like the airplane and learning to be on your own is that's what I have in the book, these little ways of people to make those connections and realize, oh, that's me. And I can do that. <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this book that we keep talking about, where can people buy it? Yes. Um, so you can get it at Desert Harvest. So that's what it looks like. And like I said, lightweight, actually has nice large font in it, by the way. For, we love that large font. <laughs> that was one of the best things we did. It's like we decided everything we decided on the book really had a meaning to it. The lightweight being able to, you know, carry it. And then the large font was, was all part of it. Um, but you can get the book on desertharvest.com and on Amazon. Um, we eventually hope to have it in, in uh, an audible, um, but we don't at the moment. But I find people like the pictures and really like the descriptions and they feel like it's so much more understandable, understandable to them when they can see that that picture, just like I was you know, mentioning the hammock and so forth. That three-dimensional image makes a big difference in, in understanding everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We love pictures. Pictures and big fonts. We love it. <laughs> um, Absolutely. So where can people follow along with you on social media? I have, I'm on Instagram, Harm Hernandez. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. You can either look at like the musculoskeletal, musculoskeletal mystery or um, the pelvic detective. And the reason why I say that is with Facebook, I'm doing a series of videos that we started. So there, I think there are three up now. We should get a fourth one up shortly. And the start one is like that introduction to the pelvic floor world. And then each one's going to have a little feature of some sort. We will be doing one for for IC specific in November, an overactive bladder, like two separate videos on that. So stay tuned. You can go to Desert Harvest to their Facebook page, or you can YouTube it and put in the pelvic detective and Ingrid, and it will it will pop up for you. I finally like that the visuals that we're doing on those videos are 
are great. The descriptions, it's a way for people to really get their toe in the water. And then the book is a companion to it. So as I talk about things, sometimes I'll reference a page or so of, you know, what I'm talking about. So people can look and say, oh, okay, now I got more detail on it. But I find that that's going to be a great educational resource. And then I'll post some stats and information on the other platforms to get, you know, people just realizing, oh, you know, there is a lot more of that going on. And to tell you the truth, there's about one out of four women in the United States and even internationally that have a pelvic floor dysfunction. One out of four, so a quarter of the population. That's huge, right? And that can run everything from urinary incontinence. We're talking about IC more specific today, but urinary incontinence, fecal incontinence, constipation, pelvic pain of all sorts, pregnancy during and afterwards the fourth trimester it's so important to get pelvic pt and yet we're not really doing that like we should right now right so you know that that's what i will describe in the video series and where you can find on on the social media platforms that i use okay perfect yeah we can get those linked in the show notes so that it's really easy for the listeners to find and then I'm excited to, to see what's coming with you. I'm, I'm excited to see these videos and, and hear amazing things about how this book is helping so many people. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on and chatting with the ICU community. And it's been awesome. Thank you, Ingrid. If you enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to make sure you're subscribed and following along. If you enjoyed this episode specifically, please be sure to leave a five-star review and tell me exactly what you enjoyed about the episode. For more content, follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Nutrition.